I'm not a huge fan of chaos uh, in the church, but there's moments when there is a good chaos. And one of those moments is when little kids are handing out flowers to the ladies of our church. Amen? That is a good, a good moment of, of, of chaos. I enjoyed that. Enjoy seeing the, the ladies or receive those flowers. I know it's about the ladies, but really in that moment, man, I was, I was just thrilled with the kids. So uh, praise the Lord to see all those, those young people up there. We're blessed to have all of you here with us uh, this morning. Thank you, choir, for the beautiful music. We appreciate it. Appreciate it very much and the gifts that you provide. Congratulations on the dedication. Praise the Lord. The little one there, little Quinn. What a blessing. I'm going to quote someone that probably, I would guess, has probably never been quoted in this church before, so just bear with me. It's a man by the name of Jerry Garcia. Some of you may know, have heard of him. He's uh, played in a little band called The Grateful Dead. You don't need to, if you've never heard of him, don't go out and do any research on him. But Jerry said, sang one of their songs, their concert songs that they sang was, let us put men and women together, see which one is smarter. Some say men, but I say no women. It ain't me, it's the people that say men are leading women astray. I say it's the women today, smarter than the men in every way. That's right, the women are smarter, the women are smarter. That's right, Jerry Garcia used to sing. Now we had, must have had stronger women opinion in first service because we actually had several amens through that. <laughs> I don't know if this is true and I wouldn't want to place any gender's intelligence against one another. But Jerry Garcia definitely could have sang the following. The women work harder than men, that's right. The women work harder than men, that's right. An independent study done by the Ponemon Institute on behalf of the 3M company. Some of you know 3M. 3M, if you've ever used, any of you use tape or post-it notes, any of you use those, those items, that's all by the 3M company. Some of you may own stock in 3M and not even realize it. But 3M wanted to analyze uh, the quality of work that was being done within their company. And and within this analyzation of, of their, their workplace environment, they found that women do indeed work harder than men, over thousands of employees. On average, they found that women, work, uh, women within a workplace setting work three minutes more than men per hour. Three minutes more than men per hour. Now, now that may not sound like much, but over the course of a 40-hour week, that's two hours more of work. That's quite a bit of, of work, ladies, that you are doing more than, than your counterparts. Not only that, they found this as well. In their study, they found that, that women, when given permission, when given permission to walk away from a task, they said, here's a task for you to do, and then they said at some point, you don't have to finish the task, just go ahead, you can, you can walk away from it. Women, when given permission to walk away from a particular work task, only 38% of women walked away from that task without completing it. 
Way to go, ladies. Only 38% of women walked away from that task without completing it. On the other hand, when men were given the same opportunity to walk away from the task without completing it, 52% of men walked away from the task. How many men just got elbowed in the side? Thank you for your honesty, Mr. Kittleson. Now, I'm not wanting to denigrate men, but today I do want to acknowledge the hard work of women within our society and in our church. You talk to any pastor that's paying attention at all, and they will tell you that churches would be in major trouble if it was not for the labor and the work of the ladies within our congregation. And so we are very grateful for them. The model that, that women show in their, in their hard work is not just for a model for young ladies coming of age to follow after. The hard work of women is something that should be emulated by all Christians. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom written by Solomon, and Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31 10 verses in, uh, there is this portion of the scripture that, that has been come to, know, come to be known as, as the, the description of an honorable, uh, God-fearing woman. There's books that have been written, the Proverbs 31 woman, and, and a number of things that have been written about, about this aspect. But when I was reading Proverbs 31, I noticed that, that, a, that a theme within these, these verses resonates over and over and over again in the description of an honorable woman. woman. And that theme is the theme of hard work. Look at beginning in verse 13, speaking of this Proverbs 31 woman. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her, her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the, the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Over and over and over again in this description of, of an honorable, God-fearing woman is the description of a hard worker. I am very appreciative of the women throughout my life that have modeled hard work, starting with the earliest example, my own mom. My wife has often commented, Christina has often commented on the, the incredible schedule, the relentless schedule that my mom seems to keep and that she does it with such joy as a nurse running circles around the younger nurses, she, many people have said to her, it's time for you to move on from ER or ICU. You know, go to a floor and relax a little bit. But uh, she has found that she enjoys the, the, the excitement of those, those other places. In fact, they call my mom in the ER back in California the Silver Fox. Uh, in fact, her, the charts say Silver Fox and the board says Silver Fox. We met a paramedic actually in town one time. Christine and I were 
were in town and we met a paramedic there and we were talking and said that he ran transport for the Hanford Hospital. And Christine said, oh, you probably know my mother-in-law then. And he said, who's your mother-in-law? Vicki Stewart. He goes, no, I don't recognize that name. And she goes, the, the Silver Fox. And he goes, oh, the Silver Fox, I love her. She's amazing. So she, she's, a, she's a hard worker. Then, then getting off work and instead of sleeping or crashing, she will oftentimes go and watch a few or all of her grandchildren. That's one of the reasons why we had to move to Maryland to give her a little bit of a break. When I was in academy, my, my mom would work full night shifts in the ICU at a level one trauma center and then be the chaperone on the field trip the, the very next day at school. She would work a double at the hospital, then pick me up from school and, and, and drive me home so I could get changed. While I was changing, she'd make me some food and then we'd jump back in the car and we'd drive to my little league game and my mom wouldn't sleep in the car. She would be on the bleachers and she was the one cheering the absolute loudest. Maybe it's the only way that she could stay awake, but always working, whether as a nurse or as a wife or as a mom or as a friend. I'm so grateful for her example, my dad's as well, but I'm so grateful for her example of hard work. I'm grateful for, for Proverbs 31, not just to help me understand though what an honorable woman is in the eyes of God, but also because of what Proverbs 31 communicates to me as well. You see, men, we could read this passage and simply see it as a descriptor for women and say, oh yes, this is a good description for women. But the fact of the matter is, is I don't believe that in Proverbs 31, there's simply the affirmation of work for women, but rather it's an affirmation of work for all God's people. It's a text that can be applied to all of our lives. Proverbs 31 affirms the value of, no matter what gender you are, the value of work, of hard work. This is a value that is rapidly disappearing within our society. It's rapidly becoming lost within our society, the value of work. But not just the value of work. That is not the only thing that is being lost in our society. Some people still value work. But, but, but the appreciation for the blessing and the gift of work is something that is lost within our society. It's something that we don't often talk about. When we talk about work, typically we talk about work in regards to, to going out and witnessing in the church environment, but, but all of work, no matter what we do, no matter what job you have, no matter if you work at home or out of home, no matter if you're retired or not retired, any work that we do is a gift from God, is a blessing from God. Turn in your Bibles to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Here in the creation story, before there was sin, we see God give several gifts to humanity. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. I see in these passages three gifts that God gave us right at the outset of creation before there was any sin. Working backwards, God gave to humanity the gift of women. Amen? Ladies, you are a blessing to us from God, a true gift from God. Not for a gift for us to use, not a gift for us to abuse, not a gift for, for us to use as servants, but as, as an equal, an equal being to walk with us in this life, to, to, to really, in many ways, help shape our character and grow us as individuals. You are a blessing to humanity. The second gift that we see is the the freedom of choice. God gave mankind the freedom of choice. He says, any tree in this garden you can eat of except for this one. But if you do, this is what will happen. We probably don't oftentimes think of what a blessing that is, the freedom of choice. The freedom of choice gives us the freedom to love extensively. There's a whole sermon we could preach just on the, the freedom of choice. But the first gift given at creation to humanity given to, man, to Adam. God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The very first gift that God gave to Adam was the gift of work, the gift of a task, the gift of something to do, the gift of something to focus on. You see, not only were we made to work, folk, but we were blessed to work. We were given the blessing of work. Many of us don't oftentimes see it as that, but, but we should indeed. From the very beginning, before there was sin, yes, work may have gotten harder after sin. We know that to be true. But from the very beginning, God tells us that, that work is a blessing from him. And what I am sure is the most quoted commandment within the Seventh-day Adventist church, there are really actually two commands. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. Probably many of you know this by heart, but, but please turn there anyways. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. Sometimes it's good for us to, to look at these passages from another angle. You know there's passages like John three sixteen or the 23rd Psalm. These passages that we know so well. Exodus chapter 20. Passages that we know so well, and it's very easy for us to recite them and to, to move through them, but... But if we slowed down sometimes a little bit and looked at them, we would see the beautiful depth of these passages that we've known for so long. When I was a kid in school, or in Sabbath school, really little, one of the things that we had to do was memorize uh, scriptures. And I've noticed that that the scriptures keep getting shorter and shorter for uh, the kids. In fact, they're like sometimes now three words. If there's anybody in here in the Sabbath school department, I would like to request that we institute the long scriptures again for kids. Just a side note, by the way. Um, but, uh, but when we were, were kids, we had to memorize the whole passage, you know. So John 3.16 was not just God so loved the world. It was actually the whole passage. And, and we learned to memorize these, but we, we also, one of the things that you would try to do when the teacher would point at you to say it was your turn and get the star, right? Anyone get the stars as little kids on the board? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You just try to get through it as quick as you could, right? I'm afraid sometimes as adults, we may metaphorically still do that 
We need to pause and, and hear these scriptures. And Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10, is like that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. Within this commandment, there are actually two commands. There is a command that we all love. There's a day of the week in which you shall not do any work. And we're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. That is a wonderful, wonderful command. But before that command, before that command, there is also a command to work. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. God commands us that six days we are to put our hands to the plow and work, but on the seventh day we are to cease working. We are to cease working. It's interesting that six days we're to focus on, on our work and doing the work that God has, has put before us, but on the seventh day we are commanded to pause from our work and to remember the work that only Jesus Christ can do. The work of creating us and the work of recreating us. Six days we labor and then we're reminded on the seventh day that no matter how hard we work, there is a task that we cannot complete. And that is the task of salvation that is only completed through Jesus Christ. Amen? We're commanded to pause to remember the Lord's work. We as believers and followers of Christ should not though just love the command to pause, we should also love as well the command to work. Love the command to work. It is in today's world, I cannot actually speak for all the world, but, but I can speak for North America. I believe in North America we have an epidemic of complaining about work. There's an epidemic of complaining about work. In fact, Forbes magazine back in July of 2014 had an article in which they chided the business world for their incessant complaining at work about work. There was an, actually an article in Forbes magazine. If you uh, know anything about the financial world, Forbes magazine is one of the major financial uh, 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 magazines that is out there, one of the top selling magazines that is out there. And in this magazine, there was actually an article that was chiding the business world for complaining so much about work and talking about how it's ruining the marketplace. On the Today Show just this year, year, journalist Bridget Schulte argues that our perception of how busy we are is actually contaminating the way we experience time. She says, if we feel like we are too busy, then we are. In other words, what she's saying, if you are someone that goes around and says, man, I am just so busy, I am just so busy, I am just so busy, then you'll actually be more busy than you actually are. You'll begin to affect your actual psyche, actually uh, alter the way you think. What's the, what's the text? By beholding, we become changed. Well, I would say by the repetition of complaining, we also can become changed. She says, she says that we complain about all the work when really we don't have as much work as we think we do. But because we're complaining about work all the time, we think we work more than we actually do. Now I wanna be sensitive to this. I know that some of you work from sun up till sundown, probably more of you than, than in most 
uh, groupings. But I would say that it's probably even something that we can learn. And the reason I say that is because I even know how we as pastors are. I've gone to many, many a pastor's meeting and come home and told Christina, I don't ever want to go back. And it's not because I don't like the people. It's not because I don't like hanging out with other pastors. It's because I don't like to hear all day long how horrible it is to be a pastor. I love being a pastor. Maybe I shouldn't have told you that about pastors. But sometimes at these workers' meetings, that's what it is. They start off, we know that it's so hard. Man, I love being a pastor. I've told you this before. People, what's your hobby? I like to talk about church. What else do you like to do? I like to talk about church. I mean, I think it is so awesome that I get the privilege of being a pastor, folks. I mean, it is such a wonderful privilege. And I think that, 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 that even within our Christian societies, we can sometimes say, man, it's so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard, that eventually we start to believe it. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a challenge to be a pastor. If you were here last week, you remember me saying that the New York Times is reporting that, has reported that across the denominational spectrum, that pastors die, uh, are dying at a younger age than their members. The clergy is dying at a younger age than all their members. And I, and I hold all of you responsible for that, by the way. So. so I'm not saying there aren't challenges. But work shouldn't be something to complain about. Bridget Schultz, Dr. Bridget Schulte then goes on to say that part of the reason we complain about work is because we're social relational beings. Listen to this, this is very interesting. We're social relational beings. And she says we've subconsciously discovered that the old adage is true. Misery loves what? Company. And so we complain knowing that that will draw in others around us. Just go to any workplace where there's a conversation of negativity going on and see if there's not other people drawn into that conversation. Anyone ever seen that? Water cool? No one ever has seen anyone complain at work and others drawing it in. I used to go to work every single morning with my mom early in the morning because we lived out in Hemet and, and, and she worked in Loma Linda and so we'd have to go very early in the morning. And I remember sitting there in the room with a bunch of nurses getting report. And I have to tell you, that um, I learned some language I'd never heard before uh, within that, that nursing environment. But there was, it, it just kind of attracts this, this thing. When someone starts to complain, there's, this, there's this, this aspect that goes on. But work isn't something to complain about. Yes, there are challenges. And yes, we can express those challenges. But as Christians, even with the challenges, we should be setting the example of not complaining, but rather rejoicing in our opportunity to work, even with the challenges. We should remember that no matter what task is at hand, that ultimately it is a gift from God. My mom is one of the hardest workers I know, but, but she got this way because her mom is, is the hardest worker, actually, that I've ever seen. My grandma, JJ, when she was younger, uh, she was single, and she was a single mom of four kids, and she worked at times three jobs in order to make sure all four of her kids could attend Adventist education, an Adventist school. 
My mom, who I mentioned before, is, is one of the hardest workers I know. She just keeps going. In fact, she recently had back surgery, and she flew out here, and she was hanging out with our kids, and, and she went back for her checkup, and the doctor told her, stop doing so much. You're going to mess up your surgery, and we'll have to do it all over again. So my dad's trying to put the reins on her, and please pray for my dad, because my mom will not listen there, so she's just going to work. And the third hardest worker I know is my wife. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to her. Can I tell you something? People come up to me still to this day. It's quite funny. People still come up to me. We've only lived here four months. You might feel like I've been here forever. Um, I apologize if that's a bad thing. If it's a good thing, then praise the Lord. Uh, but, but we've only been here four months, but people still come up to me, and they come up to, to me, and they say, oh, are you still digging out of the boxes. And I say, no, we're not. And with pride, I say, actually, we were out of the boxes within the first month. Wow, you guys must have really worked. I said, I didn't do anything. I said, my, my wife, she just unpacked everything. And, and I said, I only unpacked like three or four boxes. And I said that in first service, and Christina held up her hand like this. I said only one, honey. She said only one. So out of literally thousands of boxes, I unpacked one. But she just, um, and our house is decorated and lovely. And, and, and she just worked through that in, in one month. With three boys running around, did not let that grass grow under her feet. She had a task, and as the proverb states, she set about her work vigorously. Her arms were strong for the task. But the greatest aspect about my grandma JJ or my mom or my wife, the greatest aspect is that I honestly cannot recall a single instance. I'm, I'm sure it happened at one time or another, but I cannot recall a single instance when they complained about having to work hard. Never. Never complained about that. Folk, I started the sermon off by talking about how studies show that women work harder than men. Today, as we acknowledge one of the hardest working groups as a whole in society, women, and tomorrow in particular, we honor the moms who have a whole nother level of work to do. Can we as a church family, can we as a church family make a very practical commitment in recognition of the great gift of work that God has given us? Can we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians make the commitment to set the tone in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools, of being the hardest working people in society. Can we set that example? Can we set that tone within the world in which we are living? When I was a student at Southern Adventist University, I applied once for a job. I ended up not working at this place, but I applied once uh, for a job, and I turned in my, my application, and I, I gave it to the people, and I was back in my dorm room one time, and I got a phone call telling me that I could come in and begin working, and I said, don't you want to talk to me or interview me or anything? And they said, no, we saw that you're a student at Southern Adventist University, and we found that the students from Southern are the hardest workers in the area, and the best workers, and do it with the best joy. And I thought, man, that is such a great example. I hope that's still the example that's being set by our young people. But I would say it not, should not just be the example set by our young people, but I would love in this community, in this area, that, that 
people began to say, you know what? I want to work with that Seventh-day Adventist because I noticed a couple things. One, they work harder than anybody else. And two, they never complain, but they have joy in their work. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Not for personal recognition, not for personal praise, not for the money in our pocket, not to advance in our career field. But we do this because everything that we do represents Jesus Christ. Everything we do, as those who testify to being Christians, followers of Christ, everything that we do represents Jesus Christ. So let us also, in our workplaces and in our homes, and in our schools, let it be said of us that we've represented Jesus well by working hard. Can I ask you to pull out your connection cards? You can fill out as much information as you're comfortable with giving us there on the connection cards. And then on the back, there's a box there. There's also that, that rectangle that's there. Again, if you'd like to serve, if you'd like to work in our church, if you have no task in our church thus far we'd love to have you as a part of one of our his teams and you can connect at the table out there as well you can check that box but there in the the my neck the 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 rectangle my next steps in response to today's sermon this is something between you and the lord i'm not going to follow up i'm not going to quiz you next week to find out if, if you actually did it or not but i want to encourage you to check that box and make that commitment i will memorize Colossians 3.23. I will memorize Colossians 3.23. And it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Why do I want you to memorize this? I want you to memorize this because I believe the scriptures to be true. The Bible says this. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. And you know what? We're all going to have days when work just seems like, ugh, and we're going to want to complain. We're all going to have days when we give, we're given the opportunity to, to, to not fulfill the task, and we'll say, good, I didn't want to complete this task anyways. We're all going to have days in which we want to just say, throw up our hands and say, I quit. And in those days, I hope that you if you hide this scripture in your heart, in those days when that happens, I hope this scripture will come to your mind and you'll remember that work in which you are doing in that moment, that task in which you are doing in that moment, that, that service which you are doing in that moment is not about you. It's not about your boss. It's not about your coworkers. It's a task for the Lord, Jesus Christ. And you will do it unto him. And whatever you do, you will do it unto him. Mothers, on those days when your kids are just being the way only your kids can be. On those days when you're thinking, I wish I was around some other parents now so I would know that my kids are not the only ones acting this way. Remember that great work you're doing for those children is a work unto the Lord. On those days, ladies, when your husband may be acting only as your husband can act. 
and you wish you were around some other ladies so you think, okay, at least my husband's not the only one that is this way. I hope you remember that text. And men, I would hope that we would remember that text as well. When we see our wives laboring so hard at work and at home, when we see the ladies of our church laboring so hard within the church, I would hope that we would also say, we wanna step up and labor as well because we know this work that we do is not just for ourselves but for the Lord as well. May the scripture be a reminder to us that everything that we do is to be done unto the Lord. And the reason we do it unto the Lord is because he did the greatest work that none of us could do for ourselves and that was save us from ourselves. And so let us work for him with everything that we have. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for the gift and the blessing of work. May we truly be a people that will labor in every area of our lives for you, Jesus. No matter what field we're in, no matter what task is set before us, whether we work in the home or out of the home, whether we work within the church or out of the church, Lord, may we do everything as we are doing it unto you to give you honor and to give you glory. And as a way of saying thank you to you, Jesus, for the great work that you did for us on Calvary and the great work you continue to do for us as our representative in the kingdom of heaven. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.